0: This is where I left my binder, I was looking for this. This is a fake binder. Um, Good morning, everyone. Um, Before we get into the message, uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, great is your faithfulness. Because of your great love, we are not consumed Your compassions never fail. They are new every morning. And so we come before you today as one church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we ask that you would speak, that you would illuminate, and that you would work in our hearts and in our minds, that we might go deeper in our knowledge of you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning again, everyone. Uh, For those who may be new or visiting, uh, my name is Dan, and I had the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Granville Chapel. And uh, since the new year, uh, we've been in a teaching series called So That You May Believe, and we've been looking at the life of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of John. Uh, But for this week, and this week only, we're going to take a little break uh, from the series uh, in order to talk about the subject of prayer. Now, why are we talking about prayer, and why now? Well, this coming Wednesday is the beginning of the season of Lent, and Lent is traditionally a 40-day season of fasting and prayer. And uh, it's meant to be a time where we prepare ourselves and seek to draw closer to God uh, in preparation for Easter. And so for the season of Lent, uh, we're wanting to encourage everyone in our church uh, to join together in uh, something we're calling 40 Days of Prayer. And so we want to begin 40 Days of Prayer uh, together this Wednesday. We'll be gathering uh, in the Fireside Room at 7.30 p.m., Uh, We'll pray and worship together. Uh, We'll pray for our church and where we're at, and pray for the needs of the city. Uh, So hope uh, many of you will join us for that. Now, I know probably some of you have questions about 40 days of prayer and what it is and what it involves, and uh, we're going to get into those details. uh, But for uh, most of our time this morning, I I just want to talk about prayer, so we'll get to the details 40 days of prayer at the end. Um, So prayer is uh, something that we're all somewhat familiar with. Um, Even if you didn't grow up in a religious home, uh, we all have a sense of prayer as uh, speaking to God and uh, asking Him uh, for things, uh, asking Him for help, asking Him for provision in our lives. And certainly asking God for help or provision is an important part of prayer. Uh, In fact, we're encouraged to pray to God for all our needs because God is a loving Father who cares for every aspect of our lives. So asking and petitioning uh, to God in prayer is good and it's a right thing. However, when we look at the scriptures and if we seek to have a holistic and comprehensive view of prayer, what we see is that prayer is so much more than just asking and then receiving from God. When we look at the whole of scripture and all that prayer is, what we see is that prayer at its core is about a relationship with God. The core of prayer is a relationship with God. And prayer is the primary way in which we can relate to, connect with, and have a genuine and authentic relationship with God, our Creator. And one of the best examples of prayer as a relationship with God can be seen through the life of Jesus. So in the Bible, we see Jesus praying in the mornings, Jesus praying in the evenings, Jesus praying spontaneously throughout the day, Jesus praying all night long. We even see Jesus praying while dying on the cross. He says in Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then a little later, in verse 46, Jesus' dying words are a prayer. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So throughout the life and even in his death, Jesus exemplifies and models for us how prayer, at its core, is simply about a relationship with God. God. Jesus doesn't just pray in order to ask for things. And when you read Jesus' prayers, it's basically just a son speaking to his father. And that's why Jesus teaches us to pray, our father in heaven. God is our father and we are his children. And prayer is one of the primary ways in which we can have relationship with him. Now, related to this idea of prayer as a relationship with God is this. Prayer is about knowing and walking with God. Prayer is about knowing and walking with God. So if we go back to the book of Genesis and look at the story of the first human beings, Adam and Eve, what we discover is that human beings were created so that they and we might know and walk with God. This is the foundational reason for why we exist, to know and to walk with God, to live life in relationship with our Creator, to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to do the good works that he has given us to do. And so prayer is so much more than just a good spiritual practice that we should do more of as Christians. Rather, prayer is a fundamental and essential part of what it means to be a human being. Prayer is how we live out our foundational human calling, the reason for which we were created. We were created so that we might know and walk with God. And again, Jesus is the model and example of how we, of how you and I can know and walk with God through a life of ongoing prayer. So hopefully this helps us to see the importance of prayer and why we are emphasizing it during this thing called 40 days of prayer. So now let's uh, get into the scripture passages which we read this morning. And uh, we'll start with Psalm 27, which was written by King David. And uh, let's focus in on verses four to eight. So King David writes the following. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling, he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek So, as we read at the beginning, uh, David writes, one thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek. So what is the one thing that David is seeking? Well, the rest of the verses make it clear. David writes, to seek him. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Okay, so the one thing that David is seeking, uh, he says, to seek him, uh, your face, Lord, I will seek. So the one thing that David longs for and is seeking for is God himself. He wants to see God's face, he wants to be in God's presence. He wants to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. He wants to gaze and to look upon the beauty of the Lord. And so, what we learn from David and this passage is that prayer, first and foremost, is a seeking after God Himself. In prayer, we should be seeking first the face of God, and the presence of God. Now again, it is good and right to ask and to petition, um, to seek God for his help, uh, for his provision. Um, And in fact, in this very psalm, David prays and asks for God's help against his enemies. But the one thing the main thing, the greatest thing that David seeks is God himself. And although King David did not live by any means a perfect life, the consistent pattern and the driving force of his life was to always put God first. As best as he could, David always sought to obey God even when obedience to God would be costly to him. And that's why in Acts 13, verse 22, it says that God himself testifies about David, that David was a man after his own heart. And so what about us? Are we a people uh, who first and foremost are seeking after God? Or in our prayers, do we only seek after what God can do for us? If we think of prayer only as a transactional process in which we ask God for things, uh, we are very likely to give up on prayer pretty quickly because sometimes it's not God's will to answer uh, a specific prayer request or it may not be the right time for God to answer. Likewise, if we think of prayer only transactionally, we are very likely to only pray in critical circumstances. When when there's an urgent need, we might throw up a prayer. However, if we change our mindset and see prayer like David did, which is a seeking after God himself, then that is when we will experience the fullness and the true depth of what prayer is actually meant to be. In my personal life, this is part of the shift that God has graciously uh, been working in me. So I was born and raised in a Christian family, and I made a personal commitment to follow Jesus when I was 15 years old. And now it's been almost 20 years of seeking to follow Jesus. And for most of those 20 years, my prayer life, quite simply, has not been great. Many times I would try to commit to, to praying more regularly, but for one reason or another, uh, that, that initial burst of excitement to pray Uh, would never last, and I would never really gain traction on prayer in my life. But in the last year and a half, God, again, just by his grace, uh, has helped me to see prayer from a different perspective. And if I were to try to capture this shift in, in one sentence, it's that God has helped me to see prayer not as a discipline, but prayer as a delight. Prayer not as a discipline, something that I have to do, but prayer as a delight, something that I get to do. And the reason that prayer became a delight to me was because I started seeking and experiencing prayer as communion with God. Like King David described, I prayed in order to seek God himself and I began experiencing His presence, His comfort, His peace. I began to see and experience the beauty and the goodness of God in my prayer times. Now, do I ask things from God in prayer? Yes, absolutely. Every time I pray, I'm asking God for help, for provision, for wisdom, for guidance. But the difference is that prayer is not just about transactions anymore. By God's grace, prayer has become a delight, a time when I can experience and enjoy God himself, his presence and his love. And an analogy that came to me uh, is that prayer for me, I guess it kind of used to be like going to a drive through at a fast food restaurant. I just go through my list of wants, pick up what I needed, and then head out the door. But rather than prayer as a drive through, uh, prayer is more like a sit down dinner at a restaurant with God. I'm sitting at a table with Him, I'm in His presence. We're talking, I'm sharing about what I'm going through, and God is speaking to me through his spirit and through his word, through scripture. Prayer is no longer just a task or a discipline anymore, but prayer is sitting in God's presence, and that is a delight. Now, just to be clear, because I don't want to create a false picture of things, my prayer times are not perfect. Uh, It's not all rainbows and roses. There are days when my prayer times have been incredibly hard, uh, times when I've gotten up from prayer feeling even more burdened than when I began. And also, when I say that prayer has become a delight, that doesn't mean that delight is the only emotion that I experience. My prayer times include both delighting in God, but also it includes expressing my fears and worries, uh, sometimes bitterness and anger, frustrations and disappointments. And really, this is what we see in so many of the psalms. There is both great praise and thanksgiving and declarations of trust in God, but also great expressions of fear and worry and sorrow. And even in our psalm today, David begins, he begins by writing, "'The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear?' It's a very victorious kind of start. But then in later verses, he says things like Do not hide your face from me. Do not reject me or forsake me, God. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. David, in the same psalm, expresses great trust in God, but also expresses his honest fears and anxieties and worries. And so that's what we should be doing as well. Prayer should be honest, and we should be bringing our true selves before God. And if we're not being honest to God in our prayers then we are simply performing what we think prayer should be. If we're not willing to bring our honest fears and hurts, maybe even doubts to God, then then what are we doing? It's just an act before God that we're trying to pull off, and it's not fooling anyone. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. So in our prayers, we can both delight in God and be honest in sharing all our anxieties and worries and fears and casting them upon him. Uh, One of the pastors that I listened to, uh, I love what he says about prayer. He says, um, prayer is a rolling over a transferring of the burden so we come to god with our burdens and fears and worries and we roll it over to god and he also says uh, i forget exactly how i said it but basically he said if you get up from pr- prayer more burdened than before you didn't pray you just griped <laughs> and I've thought of that a couple times when I've gotten up and I'm still burdened. I'm like, nope, I didn't pray right, so <laughs> gotta gotta give it back to God. Ultimately, the delight in prayer is not that our prayer time only has positive emotions. Rather, the delight in prayer is that we can bring our true selves before God knowing we are accepted, known, and loved by him. And so when you pray, and when we pray, we should be honest with God. And that's the first thing that I do when I pray in the mornings, is I just speak honestly however I'm feeling. God, I'm tired. God, I'm weary. God, I need you. Would you help me? Would you encourage me? So be honest with God and allow him to meet you where you are at. So now let's uh, move on to our second scripture for this morning, uh, which was Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 25. It says, Because of the Lord's great love, We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Now, these words were written in the context of great suffering. I mean, the the, the name of the book, Lamentations, it kind of tells you. And uh, this book was written in the aftermath of the siege and the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And God's people have been utterly defeated and they've been scattered in exile. So this is a very dark time in the history of the people of God. And yet in the midst of the darkness are written these words of hope. And for the people of Israel and as well as for us, our hope does not come from ourselves or our own skills or our own abilities, but our hope is based upon the character of God. And what is the character of God? Well, this passage goes on to tell us that the character of God is great love, compassion that never fails, and great faithfulness. Now, how does this passage relate to prayer? Well, it says that God's love and compassion are new every morning, and that the Lord is good to those who seek him. Now, this idea of God's love and compassion being new every morning is not just some nice flowery language um, or some nice poetic idea. It was regular practice for the people of Israel to pray three times a day they were supposed to pray in the mornings, in the afternoons, and in the evenings. And we see examples of this in scripture. So quickly, let's just look. Uh, For example, King David, he says, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. It also says about the prophet Daniel, three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. And so here's the point as it relates to us for prayer. God's love and his compassion are available to us every morning and every day through prayer. God's love and compassion are available to us every morning and every day through prayer. And this is really the hope and the goal of what we're doing with 40 Days of Prayer. We're encouraging everyone to go deeper in their walk with God through a commitment to daily prayer. So let's uh, shift gears a little bit and uh, talk about the specifics and the details of 40 Days of Prayer. So first, uh, very simply, what is it? So 40 days of prayer, it's a season of prayer to help us develop daily prayer practices that work for us. And I wanna comment on those two uh, underlines, uh, daily and for us. So let's first talk about the daily part. Now, I'm not sure where everyone stands on the need for daily prayer. Some of you might already be all in, and you believe in this, and you want it, and maybe you already have a daily prayer practice, which is great. Others of you might think it's a good idea, but you're just not sure whether you have the time, or the energy, or the discipline to commit to daily prayer. And for others, maybe you're wondering if daily prayer is, is really necessary. Uh, maybe it sounds too legalistic or, or too rigid to have a daily prayer practice. So let's just consider this from a biblical perspective. And I want to first talk about uh, the shift between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And this is a shift that, that Jesus teaches us. So when we look at Jesus' teaching, very often what happens is that Jesus would take Old Testament laws, and he always increases and elevates the standard of those laws. So for example, when it comes to the command of thou shall not murder, Jesus teaches us this. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And so the Old Testament command is do not murder. That's the Old Testament But Jesus increases and elevates the standard by saying, the heart of murder is anger, so I tell you, don't even be angry with a brother or sister. Here's another example. Uh, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, the Old Testament command is simply don't commit adultery. But Jesus increases and elevates the standard by saying the heart of adultery is lust. So I tell you, don't even look lustfully. At another person. This shift in viewing the Old Testament commands is part of why Jesus is able to say, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Meaning, Jesus has come to help us understand the true fulfillment, the true heart of those Old Testament laws. So let's, let's bring it back to prayer. So in the Old Testament, the people of Israel prayed three times a day, in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. So, so what's the heart behind that? Well, the heart is that the people of God would be connected to God and living each day in prayer and in relationship with their creator. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus doesn't teach or model three times a day prayer. Instead, what Jesus models is a life of prayer, where he is praying all the time. So Jesus prays in the mornings, he prays in the evenings, but he's also praying spontaneously all throughout the day, as situations and circumstances arise. The heart of three times a day prayer of the Old Testament is a constant connection to God. Well, Jesus increases and elevates the standard of praying, where it's not just about praying at three set times, but he models a lifestyle of prayer where you're praying all throughout the day, all the time. And so that's why in the New Testament we have verses like these. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we're told to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. first, First Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And in Romans 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So, do we really need to pray every day? Is daily prayer really necessary? Well, biblically speaking, yes daily prayer and daily connection with God is what Jesus models for us. And prayer should not be seen as a burden or a chore. Prayer is a gift. And the means through which we can live a life of constant connection and relationship with God. Prayer is a gift. All right, so uh, let's begin to wrap up now uh, with that last thing about, um, the last underline, about 40 days of prayer. And so if we can move to the next slide. So it's a season of prayer to help us develop daily prayer practices that work for us. For us. So we talked about the importance of daily prayer and what, what we mean by daily practices that work for us is that I would develop daily prayer practices that work for me and that you would develop daily prayer practices that work for you. There are so many different ways to pray and different methods throughout 2,000 years of Christian history, different ways that you can pray, different times that you can pray. And so that's why... 40 days of prayer, it's not, a, it's not a really a programmatic thing where we're um, trying to have everyone pray in the same way. Now, with that said, uh, we did want to provide some resources that could be helpful for you in your prayer journey. And so if you do, go to our website, grandvillechapel.com at the top right. Uh, there's a little button called 40 Days of Prayer. And uh, if you click that, uh, there's lots of different ways that you can pray. Uh, there's books and daily apps you can put on your phone. Uh, there's podcasts. Uh, and also, there's some resources for, prayer, uh, for parents to pray with their children. So if you need somewhere to start, uh, you can check out the website and see if there's something that might be helpful for you. Uh, speaking for myself personally, Again, I mentioned how God in the last year has helped me to, um, in the last year and a half, has helped me to develop daily prayer practices in the morning. Uh, but my evening prayer routines are really not good. Uh, very often I'm watching basketball highlights until midnight, so I'm going to work on an uh, evening prayer routine. And, uh, and so if you already have a prayer practice, Uh, maybe you might want to add a dimension of prayer uh, to your daily life, or maybe your daily prayer practice is a little bit stale and you want to try something new, um, you can check out the resources as well. Let me close with uh, one final story. And uh, it's something that's helped me on my journey towards pursuing a daily prayer life. Uh, So I was listening to... Uh, a teaching from a Christian author. And uh, he was sharing about a time in his life where he used to wake up every morning and he'd go on a two hour walk and pray with God every day for two hours. And he talked about how, in that period of his life, just how much God was speaking to him and how he was seeing answers to prayer and how, you know, he was receiving wisdom and guidance from God. And as I was listening to him, I remember thinking, okay, this, this, this guy spent two hours praying every day. And it dawned on me, how could he not be hearing from God? Like, really, like, how could you not hear from God if you prayed every single day for two hours? And that just encouraged me and gave me a hunger I wanna hear from God. I wanna see answers to prayer. I wanna hear his voice and see his leading in my life. And so that's part of what has helped um, to inspire me in my daily prayer life. And um, and so for me, uh, one and a half years on since God has helped me to pursue that, um, I can say with all sincerity that God has spoken to me more in the last year and a half than at any other time in my life. I've seen more answers to prayer, uh, I've had more peace, I've experienced more of his guidance in my life. One of the things that's been really important for me is prayer journaling, so um, I write out my prayers because in the morning, if I I'm already sleepy, so if I try to pray for like 10 minutes, I'll fall asleep, but if I write out my prayers on my computer, I find I can stay awake. And so in my journal, I have a a number of times throughout the last year and a half that I've labeled God speaking alert. And those are the times where God has spoken to me. And, And now the great thing is if you write out your prayers, you can try that. Now I can just do the search God speaking alert and I'll see like you know, eight or ten times where God has really spoken to me in the last year and a half. And and the, and the fact that God has spoken to me more than at any other time in my life, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence. Because of daily prayer, I am experiencing daily fellowship with God. And again, I want to be balanced. I, I don't want to create a false picture of things not every day not every single prayer time is is all that wonderful but through daily prayer even when the prayer times are hard god has provided daily strength and daily grace to face the day and through daily prayer i am now experiencing the everyday reality of God with me, of God by my side. And so I hope and I pray for all of us that God will give us a hunger for more of Him. And I hope that over the next 40 days, many of us would be experiencing a deeper walk and a deeper fellowship with God through meeting with Him each day. Now, to end the message, uh, we'll be taking uh, communion this morning. And in communion, uh, as we take the bread and the cup, we remember how Jesus' body was broken and how his blood was shed as he died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. And through faith in Jesus, we are cleansed, and our sins are washed away and we are reconciled to God. Jesus is the one who made a way for us to be restored to God and is the reason that we can pray and have that intimate fellowship with him.